Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 12 called Michael. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation today with Michael. He and his husband, Wes, are the guys behind Two Dads UK, which is an incredible organization that I found online. And the mission behind Two Dads UK is to help raise awareness of same-sex parenting and to help normalize the modern family, however that may be. So Michael and Wes are incredible, and they have a daughter, Katie, from Wes's previous marriage, and they have another daughter, Tallulah, that they had with a surrogate, and they have another baby on the way later this summer. So without further ado, this is Michael's infertility story. Michael, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm so thrilled to talk to you. I've been following your story on social media. You have this site called Two Daddies UK, and you are part of a same-sex couple, and you've got one child and one on the way, correct? That's correct, yeah. And so you're uh... my first same-sex interview, actually, for the podcast. And Yay. it's awesome. It's, it's June. It's Pride Month, obviously. So the timing is really good on this, too. Excellent. And your partner, Wes, when did you guys first meet? And when did you know that you wanted to become a couple? Okay. So we met at Pride uh, in Birmingham, uh, which, which is our nearest Pride. And I was living in Birmingham at the time. And, and at the time, Wes was working on London 2012 on the Olympics. And I had been single for about six or seven months and, and similar Wes had as well. And I was going to Pride to have fun with all my friends and not not realizing that I would catch eyes with with him in a particular bar. And yeah, and that's and, and that that was our meeting really. And it was kind of fate kind of played it out all for us, really, with how we met and then we we separated at pride by accident and we we happened to find one another again later on and really ever since then uh we we moved fairly quickly we got engaged after sort of four months mm-hmm. um and around about that type of time we started having that conversation about children because Wes already has um a daughter with his ex-wife Mm-hmm. So the topic of children um, was was put out there because he knew that I wanted to be a dad, and he had and has an amazing relationship with his ex-wife and obviously Katie, who's his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we we had that we had that conversation quite early on. Okay, and how old is Katie, his daughter? She is so she'll be fifteen in September. Okay, and you, I love that. We'll have to have everybody go to your site after they listen to the podcast, but. You guys have videos on there. You've got these great bios, meet the family. And I just love that you're so positive and you're so, you're all about, you know, modern families and making it normalizing, you know, the modern family. So how did you guys make this basically kind of your mission? Yeah, it's something that we're both very, very passionate about. And I think it kind of goes back to, um, I guess, when 
when I came out, really. So I was also married to a woman and um, I, I, I got married super, super, uh, super young. And How old were I, you? I got married at 20. Oh, that is young. Um, yeah, and I, and I had been with with my ex-wife for a couple of years and I knew I had these demons going on in my head that, that I, I knew I was gay, but I was hoping that it would all go away if I got married. Um, and obviously it doesn't, doesn't or didn't. And right. when I came out, I kind of was coming out, but saying to myself, right, you've got two paths here. You can stay married and probably commit suicide, mm. or you can come out, but the trade-off is you won't have children. Mm-hmm. And that was really tough for me because I, I felt like both of those, the, the, the journey that I was on, I was like, oh, I feel damned if I do and damned if I don't, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be another statistic of male suicide. So I took the, the path to come out and obviously it was the best and the right thing for me to do. But I thought, because I, at that time I didn't know anyone else that was gay and that was having really? children. When did and you realize I, that you were gay? Did you know from yeah, a very, uh, like right away from a young age? Yeah, I, I, I guess I probably knew from about nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother's also gay and he also got married to a woman as well so we've both been on similar journeys and I'm the elder sibling so I kind of wanted to lead by example and I also wanted to one of the reasons why I got married as well is I I wanted children but that that never happened with my ex-wife okay so you know when I came out I thought okay it's fine you know I'll be happy and you know the relationships I, I was in two serious relationships before I met Wes and neither of those wanted children or it wasn't right for me to have children with with those guys and then when I met met Wes we had that conversation about children and I've always felt so passionate about raising awareness to other families or to other men that are in a similar situation to, to us that feel that they can't have children or society doesn't want them to have children or uh, it's just a, a minefield where they even start. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give and create greater access to information and put my life out there mm-hmm. on social media, which, which could be scrutinized or it could be praised. And it would allow others to take information from what I've learned and what me and Wes have put out there. I can only imagine, you know, that everybody has a different situation. Everybody has a different story. Why for you personally, did it take a minute and why was it so hard if you don't mind getting into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. For me back in sort of, uh, it was uh, early 2000s when I came out, 2001, I think I came out. and. It was still quite tough in the sense that um, I just didn't want to disappoint my family. And I have a really great relationship and still do with my parents. Mm-hmm. And we, we spoke about everything. We just never spoke about that. Do you think that and, they always kind of knew and just it was just going unspoken or yeah they- yeah and that's it. and that's exactly and that's exactly it and yeah. the irony in it all is that from the age of about 11 my mom would ask me monthly if I was gay oh um and and she would be like 
you know, you can talk to me. And I'm like, no, I'm not gay. <laughs> I'm, oh, wow. Then she was like, it's, it's fine if you want to talk to me about how you feel. And I, and I, and I would constantly push her away. So when I, when I eventually did come out, um, I actually came out to my dad and my mom was gutted that I didn't come out to her because she'd given me the opportunity. But the chance of, or, or the way I came out to, to my dad was, unfortunately, as it happens to a lot of, lot of people, I was outed by other people. So uh-huh. someone else got to my dad before me. So when faced with um, the question from my dad, I had no other option because I didn't want to lie to him anymore mm-hmm. um, about where I was or who I'd been with. So, yeah, I, I had that conversation with my parents then. And, and in fairness, it was, it was the, obviously the biggest relief mm-hmm. and w- was never, ever spoke about or questioned or, or there was any negativity there on after. Mm-hmm. That's great. So when going back to you and Wes, after you, you know, you got engaged and started talking about having kids, were you both on the same page about doing a surrogate or had you talked about adoption or any other kind of options or how did it go down with you guys? For us, uh, Wes and I have a saying and, and it's, it's about, it just felt right. And for us, uh, and particularly because I, I raised that point quite early on in our relationship, that having... For me, having a biological child was important. And that's not to say that we're anti-adoption or anti-fostering. It just, for us, the first route to try was surrogacy. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to, I wanted to experience that, about, mm-hmm. uh, of having a, a biological child. And that conversation was had with Wes and we began researching surrogacy, both international surrogacy and UK surrogacy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know a great deal about UK surrogacy. All I knew that commercial surrogacy in the UK is illegal and advertising for a surrogate in the UK is illegal. It's illegal? So I, yeah, you can't advertise for a surrogate in the UK under the current law. Because that um, infringe, that that's infringes on the the surrogacy act, so it's 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 against the law to do that in the UK. Uh-huh. Now the surrogacy, and I'm sure we'll come onto this, that the the surrogacy act or the or surrogacy law reform is currently being debated. Right. So it's likely we're going to see some positive changes of that later on, maybe not this year, but certainly early next. All being well. Um, so the obvious place for us to look was was internationally. So we looked at India, mm-hmm. Nepal, Thailand, the States, Canada, Guadalajara, Mexico, and we looked at uh, Europe. And we travelled to some fertility conferences abroad, and we gathered more information about you know what the cost was, whether it was same sex friendly how many births had there been in that particular country, how many of them were, were British, what was the exit process like. Oh, my gosh. And the more and more we spoke to countries or to organisations, the more we were learning that certainly the countries that we'd spoken to, with the exception of the US, it was it, it had a, 
a high risk to it. It either wasn't same sex friendly, so you had to go to that country and not be a, a gay man, which immediately wasn't going to work. Right. Or all those countries were having their own um, political challenges themselves. And there was the case of, of the twins that were born um, to an, an, an Australian couple um, in Thailand and uh, one of those babies were, were born with Downs and that then led to Thailand to be um, to be shut down. And then wow. other countries were having similar challenges and they were um, either getting more restrictive or were, were also shutting down. So one by one, mm-hmm. all of the options just didn't seem viable. And the or, or, or the exit process of people leaving with their child was also um, challenged or there wasn't enough cases coming back, which meant I don't want to be a guinea pig. I need to understand more about UK surrogacy because surrogacy in the US is is expensive. Mm -hmm. And whilst we didn't have the money at that time to do a US journey, which is in the region of around about 110 and two hundred and fifty thousand dollars we we just didn't have that available cash at the time so we then started looking more at the uk and understanding the uk law to see what was possible and altruistic surrogacy in the uk is perfectly legal okay so Um, what does that mean exactly so altruistic surrogacy is where you can um, work with a surrogate, but you only pay reasonable expenses. So a surrogate in the UK can't profit out of surrogate, out of being a surrogate. Okay. So it, the way the current law works is that you, that surrogate can carry um, a child for you, whether it's genetically related to them or not that is permissible whether they have treatment through a clinic or they home inseminate that's permissible um but the sum of money that you um they are allowed to be or they they can claim can only be reasonable expenses which varies from surrogate to surrogate but it it varies between 10 and sort of 18,000 pounds okay so we spent about three years looking into surrogacy internationally and UK, but we probably spent a good two years then looking more into the UK option and understanding what clinics had a surrogacy program, understanding how we find an egg donor, understanding how we um, can even match to a surrogate in the first place. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of research to do. We had to understand the law. So we, mm-hmm. we, we appointed and we, we spoke to a really good family lawyer who was, was excellent in sort of teaching us all about the current law. So we, we, you know, we wanted to work within that. So that was super important. And then we found a clinic that we really clicked with and that felt right to use. Mm-hmm. Um, they were experienced in not only surrogacy, but also same sex surrogacy. Okay. Um, and that journey began and yeah, and then it just moved quite quickly thereafter. Okay. 
So how had you guys met anybody or did you know anybody personally who had used a surrogate or were you breaking totally new ground? Like with all of this research, did you have anybody that you could turn to, to, you know, to help you weed through all the different options or was it just you guys doing it all yourselves? We didn't know anybody that had been through surrogacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had, we certainly had no, no friends or colleagues that we could talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, in the UK, there are, in the main, there are three sort of charities or not-for-profits that operate in that space. Mm-hmm. And and you can go to each of them, you know, you can register with them, you can pay to register with them, or they will charge a fee to match you to a surrogate or however their fees are made up. But you can you can work with them to not only get a lot of information from them, but you can also work with them to network with with surrogates, and that's how a number of people will will meet their surrogate. Mm-hmm. Um but at the time, back in sort of 2014, yeah. um, 2014, 2015, the three main not-for-profits weren't registering um, intended parents because they had an overwhelming number of intended parents and a shortage of surrogates. Mm. So it would have been pointless us registering with any of them because they couldn't really help us mm-hmm. in the time frame that we wanted. Um, you know, we didn't want to wait, you know, two or three years because we'd already conducted sort of three, four years of research. So we, you know, we wanted to speak to or meet with available surrogates and spend a reasonable amount of time getting to know them because that's what's really sensible. Right. So we opted for what's known as an independent journey. So that there is one main, I guess the the one charity in the UK that we really lean towards for advice or for information was Surrogacy UK. Whilst we didn't register with them, we liked their uh, ethos, and they they firmly believed in altruistic surrogacy that you know friendship came before money, mm-hmm. and we really liked that their ethos. So a lot of what we did was based on kind of their model. So, um, yeah, we had no one really to turn to. Yeah. We, we, we had to go alone and we, we had to, I guess, learn the hard way, but it, it didn't feel hard. It was, it, it was exciting. It yeah. was, uh, it was quite exhilarating, but it was, it was something that was personally our journey. So we right. owned it. I have to say, just listening to you and thinking about these years, literally years of research and you guys working together to try to find, you know, this right path for you, it makes me want to cry because it's so wonderful that you wanted this baby or, you know, future children so badly that you were willing mm-hmm. to make it almost your full-time job. And I know you both have full-time jobs too, to mm-hmm. go through all this. So it's so touching to me that you Thank went you. through all of this. And I think it's so important to to talk about the details of it too, because, you know, people don't understand what some people have to go through to have a child. And it's just, I don't know, I'm getting like emotional about it because I love your passion. And 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 I also, thank you. And I love that you're sharing this with the world and we're not even close to being done with our conversation, but I just want to say like, and your children knowing that all that you went through, that's just got to make them feel so amazing later in life when they hear your story, you know, because Mm -hmm. I would also, I'm like getting choked up. I would also imagine that the same sex couple thing, you guys probably got some pushback, right? And that must have been hard mm-hmm. at certain points. Yeah, you do. You know, unfortunately, um, you, you, not everybody is tolerant of, of 
hour um, of, 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 of being gay. You know, you, yeah. do, you do get some, um, some, some backlash out there. But, you know, the one thing, going back to, you know, your really kind comment is that there are no accidental children in homosexual relationships. Mm. So when we want a child, we have to put everything into mm-hmm. achieving that dream to be a parent, mm-hmm. whether it's fostering or whether it's adoption or whether it's surrogacy. You know, we we can't just get pregnant by accident. This has to, this is hard work. Right. You know, this right. is this is a ton of planning. This quite often can be costly, but these children are wanted and loved like no other because of the journey and the 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 path that we've had to go through to yep. to get there you know oh it's, it gosh. isn't straightforward and there are small-minded people in society that feel that it's acceptable to give their opinion on your family unit and right. you know I, I brush that off now because that opinion really doesn't matter to me it, mm-hmm. it, you know it's I've been called much worse mm-hmm. my children are loved they're clothed they're fed that's yep. all that that person needs to worry about. They have yeah. clothes on their back. They've got food in their belly and they've got so much love and, and acceptance in their heart that it doesn't matter who right. they have one mommy or two mommies or two daddies. It, it makes no difference. I love that. I love that so much. So tell me, okay, so you finally found the right surrogate. Tell me about mm-hmm. that process, meeting this woman and how, how you guys knew it was a great fit. Sure. So we um, we met our, our our surrogate first of all. She contacted us, so she had heard that we were an inten- a same sex intended parent okay. couple, and she wrote to us. And how did um, she track you down? We we had built a profile. So okay. you have, there's a number of um, so there's closed Facebook community groups that are surrogate you see sort of networks. There are um, surrogate finding or networking sites um, on the internet. And we, we had a number of profiles built over, over a number of platforms. Okay. I'm um, just talking about who we were, uh, what our journey, what, what, how we wanted our journey to look. And she had contacted us and she said that she loved our story. She loved the fact that we were, because we were due to get married, and we wanted to start our fertility treatment to, in the beginning of 2016. Mm-hmm. We got married in 2014 and we, were, you know, we wanted to spend a year getting to know a surrogate before we started treatment. Wow, that's so cool. Um, yeah, so, and, that, and that's what's really important because when you hear stories about surrogacy going wrong, it's tends to be because the relationship wasn't right in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, and people get pregnant after two or three months of knowing someone. And for us, you know, we wanted to do multiple journeys. We want multiple children. So it, we wanted to find the right surrogate for us. Mm-hmm. So when she contacted us, um, she contacted me and, and I was leading on the majority of the, either the research or certainly talking to, to surrogates. And we, we spoke, we only spoke to one of the, other than our current surrogate. But again, we got that, that real sense of um, this is the right person for us. It felt right. And we agreed to meet for coffee and our surrogate was married. She had four children. She had never done this before. 
but she wanted to give the gift of family to another couple that, is that so were cool. which is so cool isn't it you know oh, what I mean God. so she she wanted to she wanted to create a family yes and she didn't want to use her own eggs and we our preference was to have gestational surrogacy which is where you have an egg donor Mm -hmm. so that was great it was a good tick and we met her husband who was amazing and he one of the first things he did was he gave us both this huge hug and Mm -hmm. just squeezed us so tight and we knew then that he was going to be on the journey with us because (laughs) I think a lot of a lot of um, men particularly partners of surrogates get forgotten about or they become the invisible man on a journey because it's all about the surrogate and the intended parents. Yeah. And these guys are amazing that, that support their wives to go through this tough journey. And so it was super important that we clicked with him. And it was also important that we eventually would introduce Katie, which is where's his daughter and my stepdaughter mm-hmm. to her children. Uh-huh. Because we wanted total transparency about what we were doing and 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 what we what we stood for, because we knew that these people would be in our lives forever. Mm-hmm. So it just had to feel right. Right. So we met and we had coffee and we came away and then we we WhatsApped and we we've we've still got the same WhatsApp group that we had back from back <laughs> in the day and we still talk on it weekly. That's great. And. We, we we decided probably after a, a month, a month and a half, we were like, yeah, this is this is right for us. Uh-huh. So let's continue to get to know each other. Let's spend, let's go for days out. Let's go for food. Come and stay at ours. So we we had about ten months of um, just having fun, really, and being in each other's lives. Uh-huh. And then the time came to having the conversation with a clinic. So we chose a clinic that was closer to her because it's it it needed to be more convenient because certainly with surrogacy or with any fertility treatment, obviously a lot of it centers around um, the woman. Mm -hmm. So therefore uh, it was key that we chose a clinic, not only that was experienced in same sex surrogacy, but was closer to the surrogate than was to us. So we chose a clinic in Manchester and they were great. And we then had to have the conversation about egg donation Mm -hmm. because Wes and I look very different. If those that know us or that have seen us, uh-huh. um, you know, I'm olive skinned. I've, I've 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 got dark brown eyes. I've got dark hair. I've got a black black beard. Uh-huh. Wes is blonde, blue, right? Um, very. People can go skin. to your your website and see the pictures. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, and Katie is the carbon copy of of Wes, uh-huh. um, and. So what we did is that we had had the, we obviously had the, the conversation that I would be biologically um, linked to our child. Okay. Um, so if Wes and I were to be able to have children naturally, what would that look like? So we picked our egg donor to Wes's characteristics. So we we picked a blonde, blue, fair, um, similar height to Wes. Um, that's the egg donor that the clinic matched us to. So it took them about three, four months to find us a donor that met that criteria. Okay. 
which was super cool. Yeah, that's um, so cool. Can I ask you too, and, and you don't have to say if this is too personal, but in terms of the sperm, did you ever think about, I know some people have done like a mixture at this point. I don't know the correct term for it. And I know it's definitely not a mixture, but you know what I mean? Where the both men donate and then yeah. kind of. With fertility treatment here in the UK, it's, it's very, very heavily regulated by the okay. HFEA. And there are, there are um, certain treatments that um, are permissible and some that are just not. But for us, we always knew that I would be using my sperm. Okay. So there was never a question of us having to fertilize the same eggs with two sets of sperm. It okay. was always going to be the egg that we the clinic matched us to and using my sperm okay thank you so for answering that never, I appreciate never, it. <laughs> no it's fine in in the uk you can still fertilize um eggs with with the, the two intended father's sperm but you certainly can't mix the sperm in the lab it's it has to be done as two separate uh, treatments gotcha okay so we um we we got our egg match which was which was great How and exciting. then um, yeah, which was brilliant news. And then you, the clinic has to then start to regulate your surrogate with your egg donor. So their menstrual cycle works at the same time because okay. we were going to be doing what's known as a fresh embryo transfer. Okay. So my sperm would be, I would, I would deliver a, a, a sperm sample, the embryos, the eggs would be retrieved uh, and they would be fertilized the same day. Oh, wow. And then they would be cultured for a period of five days. Uh-huh. So we, our eggs were retrieved. We got five eggs, which was which was low. Most women produce between sort of twelve and sort of fifteen eggs, uh-huh. but we were told that the egg quality will be good and viable, which was true because all of all of the eggs fertilized. Okay. And then you you have an update on day one, day yep. three, and day five. Yeah. And by day five, you you you're hoping that you get to uh, a blastocyst, mm-hmm. which is at that point, which is the most optimum embryo to transfer. Uh, and we were really lucky that we had three blastocysts, um, and the others didn't quite make it to blastocyst yeah. stage. So we froze two, and we transferred one. Okay. Did you guys do um, any pregenetic testing or anything like that at that point? So again, we we had had certain tests carried out here. Mm-hmm. So the egg donation is quite strict in the UK in terms okay. of the um, the criteria to become an egg donor in the UK. It's very strict. So a lot of a lot of the the, the screenings done at sort of donation stage. Gotcha. Um, okay. And obviously, I I had also I have to go through a number of um, tests before my sperm's used okay. as well. So. There was nothing genetic um, that would cause an issue. So we we knew that much. So we were then at the point where we were ready to our embryo transfer. So it's so interesting and so cool. Oh my gosh. It's it's I'm I've I love the fertility industry now. I'm I'm just so passionate about it. I love it. And we that the the embryo transfer happened to fall on Valentine's. And it was February, obviously. Um, it was Valentine's weekend. It fell on a Saturday. And we were we were going skiing the next day. We were off to France with all our family and, and, and friends. So we um, we did our embryo transfer. We were there in the room. We saw it, um, we saw it go into the catheter. We saw it be implanted into the 
into the neck of the womb and you could see it on the camera and we had the video of it all being being done which was just amazing to be able to support us or at That's that particular so wonderful time. Especially some um, relationship that you had all built together, you know, it's this family. Yeah, totally. And, you know, we, we wanted to be there at that mm-hmm. point of where our embryo was, was, was implanted back inside her for safekeeping. Was it all and, super emotional um, in that room when they did the transfer? Yeah. How were you feeling? Oh my word. Yes. So, and I, I cry at anything. I really Same. do. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I've already I'm cried so, twice I, during our conversation. <laughs> I, I cry at TV commercials. I'm just, yeah. I'm an absolute, I'm a right baby. Um, so yeah, we, we, because, you know, we wanted this so bad and, you know, whilst it's not as expensive as in the U S it's still, you know, you're still looking at about £35,000. So it's still an expensive sum of money. So, but, but the money aside, it was, the, it was the fact that we were so close to becoming parents mm-hmm. that was just, you know, you could feel that emotion building. So our transfer was done. We went off on, 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 a, on, a, on a vacation. And you have then what's known as the two-week wait. And again, anyone that's been through fertility treatment will know that that two week wait is agony um, because you're told not to pregnancy test for two weeks because of risk of chemical pregnancies and just to let that embryo embed itself. And then after 14 days, take a pregnancy test and you will know if you're pregnant or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so our surrogate messaged us whilst we were skiing and the message was like can you talk and we were like oh my god what's 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 happening yes and yeah and we were like yeah yeah, we can talk yet two weeks yeah and we we hadn't done two weeks yet so we were we were probably eight days in okay and we're like can you talk yeah we can we're both there and then and then the picture of a tech, a positive text message comes up with the, with the, the pregnancy test ah! and the two lines. And we were like, Oh my gosh. We're pregnant. <laughs> and we were crying oh. and we were like, Oh my days, you know, it's, it's, it's happened, you know? Yeah. And so we, we got the phone to her. We were all like so excited. Uh, we obviously decided not to tell anybody because at as hard as that was, you know, oh. our lives weren't on social media at that point. Um, right. You know, we had we hadn't set up Two Dads UK, and we certainly didn't have the website. Mm-hmm. Um, we we were just we were just a couple that were going through fertility treatment at that point. So we came home and we met with her, and she then had to go to the clinic, and that they had to go to a doctor. They did all the proper tests and. Um, it was all confirmed that we were pregnant, which oh was amazing gosh. news. Wait, and how then, did you keep it from your family that you're skiing with? Were you guys, you guys like come back in from the phone call and you're like, nothing, everything's fine. Like probably. And, and that's exactly know. what we did. We were just yeah. like, we, you know, cause it's early, right? Right, and, right, right. You know, there's a reason why, why couples don't tend to tell people till week 12, because, mm-hmm. you know, so many things can unfortunately, and sometimes do go wrong. Yeah. And we just wanted to just keep it to us and just let us relish in that, that little secret at the minute. Right, 
Right. Um, I can picture you guys like so, giggling and being like, yeah, it's just a really good day on the slopes. No, we're just really happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I've got snow in my eyes. It's fine. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So it was, it was, it was exactly like that. It was exactly like that. So fun. So yeah, we, we then, we then, um, you, you have a pregnancy scan at four weeks when you have IVF, uh, where you get to see, um, you get to see your embryo or your, your, your the fetus starting to form. Mm-hmm. Then you have another scan at eight weeks and you see your heartbeat. And mm-hmm. then you have your scan at the hospital uh, when you're 12 weeks. So we, you know, we went to every single appointment. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, we were there supporting our surrogate at every appointment, whether it was a midwife appointment or whether it was a, um, a you know, a, the, the consultant's appointment in the hospital. We, we were there. And we got to see all, and we were at all of those milestone moments, um, which, which was one of the reasons why we opted to have our treatment in the UK, because we wanted to see our baby growing. We wanted to feel our baby kick. We wanted to be able to meet up for coffee and talk to our baby and, Mm -hmm. you know, let our child start to hear our voice and, and, and importantly support our surrogate when things were hard, because, you know, being pregnant isn't fun. And particularly when it's also not not your child you know she was doing this out of the kindness of her heart to create this family and um her body was doing all sorts of crazy things and hormones were taking over so we wanted to make sure that she was supported and and loved and and that we were there for her mm-hmm. can you tell me about that moment when you guys first heard the heartbeat because i remember that with both of my children and it was just it is the best sound in the world when they finally yeah. Oh, it, it, I, I just got chills when you yeah. said that. It just made my arm just. I chill. know, me too. <laughs> um, because it, because it, it, it's exactly that, you know. Um, and whether whether you whether you've been on a fertility journey or not, um, or whether your children were conceived by accident or not, mm-hmm. the the second you hear that, like something, mm-hmm. the the sound that cha- it changes your life from hearing yeah. that sound thereafter. Um, it's just that sound of life just, and we, we were both filled up, you know, we heard the noise and I remember grabbing his hand really hard and, and my hand was on her shoulder and just hearing that like just, um, eerie, but also incredible sound that there was, we had just created life through modern science and and through this pure gift um that that she'd done it was the best it was the best feeling yeah. ever oh i love it so did everything went well for the rest of her pregnancy yeah we had a really good pregnancy um we we had no complications thank god we we had a relatively smooth journey with the hospital you know we had to make some adjustments to our pregnancy or two hour birthing plan because surrogacy is still quite new in the UK. So not every hospital is used to having two men and a surrogate on a maternity ward. Right. So they had to make some adjustments for us because they were, they were working with no guidelines or very out of date guidelines that, mm-hmm. um, that were not fit for purpose or they were working with within the current surrogacy act of 1985 which is seriously outdated and at that point it wasn't 
being overhauled. So they were working with a policy which was outdated. So we had to take them on that journey with us to go, hang on a minute, that's not really fair. Mm-hmm. This is this is how um, we would like to be dealt with. And we didn't want anything different. We didn't want, you know, a, 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 a child brought on, you know, white lilies and doves everywhere. We, we, we just wanted <laughs> a regular pregnancy we wanted to have our child and and leave as as a as a regular couple normally do but um because surrogacy in the uk isn't um very common um the hospital were adamant on that because in the eyes of the law currently the surrogate is the legal parent and if the surrogate is married her husband is the legal father Uh until you apply for a parental order and then you become the legal parent. Mm-hmm. So in, in the UK, and this is where, where the law is being um, reformed and updated, at the moment you can't apply for your parental order until your child is six weeks and one day old. Now your child still comes home with you and you're, you know, you're still, you're still you know, the biological parents of your child, but in the eyes of the law, the surrogate and her husband are the legal parents, okay. which is crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. And um, nerve-wracking, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely. Trust, you trust the surrogate, obviously, but you never know. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a long period of time to wait until it's all buttoned up. Absolutely. And 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 it takes a good 10 weeks to come through. So you put your application in at six weeks, but you you don't we we didn't get ours through and Tallulah was probably nearly five, six months old when we had the we have to go to court and, um, you know, you have to sit in front of the judge and, and you get asked questions about your parental journey. And, and, but it was a positive experience because the courts are forever having to take children away from their parents. Mm. So this was the flip reverse. They were, they bought her a teddy, they, you know, they, they, they were so, and they had, they hadn't, hadn't granted one before. And they were so excited to meet her because they they see some pretty grim situations. Yeah. And to actually grant a parent, parental order in this way mm-hmm. um, for them was just, you know, this is where your child belongs. And the fact that they can play a part in that uh, was, was incredible. Yeah. So that's where the law is currently being examined and looked at and and i'm i'm confident that there's going to be a positive conclusion i don't know when i'm, I'm right. attending an event um this thursday about it actually and we've we've been to the house of parliament about about the the law reform so we've yes. been quite involved in it yeah i wanted to um, talk about that too and in, in addition to sharing your story you know for entertainment value and awareness you guys are really pioneering you know you're you went to the house of parliament and you're so mm-hmm involved in advocating for all this stuff. Tell me a little bit more about that part of your journey and going to the House of Parliament and all that. Yeah, of course. So we we got approached by the APPG, which is the all-party parliamentary group, Mm -hmm. um, that were debating the surrogacy law reform. And they'd heard about us, um, about our journey and about the fact that we were UK surrogacy advocates. And previous to being asked about this particular point, we had worked with the Department of Health in the UK to ensure that healthcare professionals have up-to-date 
guidelines on how to deal with surrogates and intended parents because when we had our pregnancy journey there was no document that was there for people to refer to Mm -hmm. so then in february of 2018 the department of health created a steering committee and then they released these new guidelines that were issued to every single hospital in the uk to advise people and healthcare professionals how to not only address, but also how to treat surrogates and intended parents. So we, mm-hmm. we were involved in that. And because of our involvement in that, they'd heard about what we were trying to do and, and the fact we were normalizing our family situation and just trying to help raise awareness. So we got asked to, to, to give um, some evidence uh, at the Houses of Parliament to talk about our lived experiences as two dads Mm-hmm. and what our pregnancy and what our surrogacy journey was like. And they wanted to know why we didn't want to go to the States and enter into a commercial arrangement. Why did we want to come to the UK or stay in the UK and, and have our pregnancy here? So I, I went through all of the things that I've just spoke about with you. And mm-hmm. um, and we we spoke with, with truth, we spoke with passion, and we spoke with real conviction about um, why we are so passionate about UK surrogacy and why we feel that the law needs reforming and where we feel it needs reforming. So it was a real honour to be involved to potentially help create a law change. If you don't mind, I want to read something that you had on your website that just really kind of sums it all up. And it's something you guys wrote, but so it's a quote and it says, we have massively ambitious plans to drive change within the LGBTQ family community and through social media and a lot of hard work. We're committed to supporting several key two-dad missions to make the landscape of UK gay parenting a better, safer, and more equal place. Ooh, I love that. Thank you. So important. You guys Thank are you. doing such important work. Yeah, you know, there's and there's lots to do. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be gay forever. <laughs> so <laughs> I've, I've got a community that needs supporting that probably don't always have the confidence to speak out. That, right. You know. And, and, you know, and not just that, you know, there's, it doesn't just end when, when you come home with your child, you know, there's a lack of male chain, male uh, baby changing in our bathrooms. You know, that's one of our missions uh, that we're, we're trying to change. You yeah, know, there's stuff you don't even uh, think about. Yeah. There's, there's so many things, you know, there's, there's still a lack of educational material in schools and nurseries about same sex families. So we're trying to change that too. And, and then there's, then there's the whole, how we support healthcare professionals with what we do and all of that. So, and, and and all of these missions are are on our website, right? Um, but it's, it's, it goes above and beyond parenting really. It's just, we're, we're just wanting to exactly what, what you just quoted, just make a safer and more equal place for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Are there any other myths that you want to dispel about same-sex parenting? Is there anything out there that you're just like, all right, come on guys, let's like get modern here. Oh, wow. Well, we've, we've, we get, we've had some of the weirdest questions. Um, <laughs> like what? Oh my gosh. What have we had? So someone approached us when we, we've had all the usual like so who's the dad and we're like mm, we're, we're we're her dads no uh-huh. no who's, who's the real who's the real dad oh, and we're God. like uh yep it's still us <laughs> um we, people have said uh are we gonna raise her gay <laughs> mm-hmm. which always makes me smile mm-hmm. um as if you do that um we've had people wanting to know how much she cost which oh, wow uh 
you yeah you just can't believe people actually go there we've uh, you know you, you've had all of the oh, didn't you feel bad taking her away from the mom and we're like well, she hasn't got a mom and um we didn't feel bad because we were taking back what was ours she was just mm. being kept safe whilst um our uteruses weren't there um so you know you get some bizarre questions yeah um but generally I can safely say that we are faced with more acceptance than resistance, which is good. I love that. Yes. And you guys, you have good news, right? You're having another baby this summer. We are. Yes. Tell me about that. (laughs) Um, So we decided that uh, back sort of last year, we you know, we want more children and we decided to embark on a another journey so we obviously have embryos frozen from when we created Tallulah but we wanted to um I wanted Wes to be biologically linked to this next child and we, we both wanted that so we created um, more embryos with a different egg donor unfortunately oh, cool. because the egg donor we used for Tallulah and um, wasn't able to donate again. So we had to pick another egg donor, which was fine. Okay. Um, this time this egg donor was matched to my characteristics. So uh-huh. um, a, a Mediterranean um, egg uh-huh. and we uh, fertilized, whereas fertilized those eggs and um, we are pregnant. So we are due on the 4th of September. Oh, wow. So soon. I know, but we're, we're, our C-section is booked for the 19th of August. Oh, wow. Okay. I know because our, our surrogate, um, only carries until she's 38 weeks. Same surrogate. Um, Yeah. Okay. So we're using the same surrogate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so she's, uh, we're 26 weeks today, I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Did she do a C-section with Tallulah as well? She did. Yeah. So the uh, the pregnancy for the the birth for Tallulah um, was quite uh, unexpected. It wasn't a planned C section. Oh, okay. um, we we had a C section booked, but it was for the following week. Well, at, we got a call sort of three a.m. on the Sunday um, of the of sixteenth of October, twenty sixteen, and it was the phone rang and and the phone was was Wes's side of the bed and. Uh, we saw that it was our surrogate's husband's name and we were like, oh my God. Mm. So we bolted up at a bed and he's like, her waters are broke. You need to get yourself here. Mm-hmm. We're going to the hospital and we were an hour and a half away from them by car. So we 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 got there and oh, all the way up. That's a scary car ride, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, it really was. And we, it was, it was early in the morning and Katie, um, had had a sleepover so she had some of her friends over so we had to wait for someone to come to oh God. before we could even leave um anyway we got on the road and we he kept our surrogate's husband kept calling me and he kept saying how far away are you and i'm like still the same time we're only we've just come on the phone 15 minutes ago and his calls were kept coming and we were like oh my word what's what's going on uh-huh. so we and anyway we got there they were prepping her for theater because um she would still be having a C-section because that's what she wanted. But because of the way it works in the UK, um, in theatre, you can only have one other person with with the woman who's having a child. Mm. And it was 
and that's the current policy of within and within the National Health Service here. So it was always important that our surrogate had her husband with her because she needed to feel safe and comfortable. And and, right. they, and if one of us couldn't see our child being born, then neither of us would. So we would be in the room waiting for our surrogate's husband to bring our child to us. Okay. And at this point, we didn't even know. We didn't know we were having a girl or a boy. So we were in the room waiting for uh, him to come in with, with our baby. And he knocked on the door and we were like, oh, he's here. And uh, he there was no baby. And we're like, is everything okay? And uh, he's like, uh, yeah, um, you need to come and get some scrubs on and come and watch your baby being born because they're allowing the both of you to come in to see yeah. your child born. And we were like, oh my God. So yeah. we were crying. We were scrambling to get some scrubs on. Right. And we get into theatre just in time. You know, she's already, the first cut's been done. And we stood there and they just, they Tallulah just wriggles her way out. And they So were you down there? Like, yeah, like we, were, we were there. The we were like, yeah, totally. Oh, wow. We were past the curtain. We were what we we saw. We saw her come out of out of, out oh. of our surrogate's tummy and just wow. lifted out to us, and uh, and then we we obviously found out that she was a a little girl, which was oh. just the best the best feeling in the world. Um, oh. And the fact that we got to see her that was never in the birthing plan because we yeah. we thought that wasn't going to happen. So the oh, fact that we got cool. to see that was just incredible and it was just because the hospital like kind of bent the rules or just were like just go get that yeah they totally bent the rules for us which they they totally were like do you know what um this is these guys baby and the fact that they can't be here to see their child being born that's not cool so um get some scrubs on and come and watch your child enter the world oh i love that just i know it's the best so what's what? What do you think will happen with this next one? Do you think you'll get to have the same kind of situation? So she's doing a set, a scheduled C section. Yeah, so scheduled C section on the nineteenth of August, um, and we've already had our twenty week um, birthing plan, and they've agreed that um, that the same can happen again. So we'll be able to see, and we're having a boy. Oh, you know um, you're having a boy. Oh my god! Yeah, we do you have do. the name picked out yet? No, we, you know what, well, we don't. This okay. is where we really struggling. We, we had a girl's name, but uh-huh. we just don't have, um, we just don't firmly have a boy's name locked in. We've got, we've got options, options but yeah. they're not locked in yeah. yet. Like, whereas Tallulah was locked in about seven months. And, yeah. you know, we, I love we're, we're, name. we're, appro- thank you. We're approaching that now. And, uh, yeah. you'll yeah, figure we, it out. We, yeah. Well, I'm sure we will. I'm sure when he's here, <laughs> he will look like one of the names we've got. In, exactly. In, in exactly. So before we get off, I want to ask you a couple more quick things. What would you tell couples who might be listening to this, you know, gay, lesbian, same sex, who are considering going down this path, but aren't quite sure? Do you have any advice for people? I would say to firstly, keep chasing that dream to be a parent, because, you know, it's, it's all of our it's all of our rights to become a parent whatever way we choose to do it just never give up on achieving that parental dream because mm-hmm. it's possible mm-hmm. you just have to be really determined and you need to occasionally bite your tongue or keep an open mind um but never give up hope never ever give up hope 
Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the first piece of, of advice that I would give. And the second would be to do your research. You know, you, there's, there's so many, uh, whether it's in the US or whether it's in Europe, there's so many cool organizations that, that support um, the cause, whether it's same sex or, or, or heterosexual um, surrogacy. There's a wealth of information out there. Um, and some really good organizations that can support um, that particular journey. All that information is on our website. And right. we encourage people to get in contact with us and to ask us questions. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't charge intended parents for any of the services that we provide. You know, we do this because it's about raising awareness and supporting a cause and a community. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's not what we um, you know, we, we encourage to, to do or to take money from intended parents. That's not what we do. Mm-hmm. We want to create an area that gives all this information and we, we pass on really, we play it forward, the things that we've learned and the contacts yeah. that we've developed and the experts that we know speak to on a daily basis. We want to share that knowledge right. with other people. I just want to end with one other thing that you wrote from your, on your website. You're such a great writer, by the way. And it says, we're driven to help other same-sex couples and other single gay people realize that becoming a parent shouldn't just be a dream. Anything is possible. And we want to show you how to make these dreams come true. Importantly, we're also keen to show the world that gays have kids too. And guess what? We're bloody fabulous at it too. (laughs) And I love that you said that. Uh, It sounds so British. It's so British. Bloody fabulous. (laughs) But you are, you are bloody fabulous. And I think oh, so bless you. talking to me. Well, Thank you. And, and now you're welcome. And I think, you know, in, in short, we, we're just parents parenting. Yeah. And, you know, you take away, take away our sexual preference, take away who yeah. I lie next to at night. You know, I still have one of those cupboards in my kitchen full of plastic beakers with lids that don't match. Yeah. I have a junk drawer in my kitchen full of, you know, Calpol and, and medicine spoons. Uh, I have all of the things that every other parent has. I yeah. just happen to be in the same sex relationship, you know. Right. We're we're just parents parenting. Right. And it's not always roses, right? I'm sure you and Weskin arguments like other oh my couples God, do as tons well. Tons of arguments. Raising tons of arguments. Hard. Yeah. So it's not super rosy all the time, but you guys are real and you're honest and I think it's so, I can't wait for people to hear this because I just, I want to get the word out about what you guys are doing. And I feel like I learned a lot too. I didn't know anything really about surrogacy. So thank you so much for enlightening me too. You're welcome. And no, thank you for asking me to to, to be on the podcast. I think what you're doing is fab. And I think we need to be, um, we need to be talking more about fertility and infertility. Um, it's a, it's a topic and a subject I'm really passionate about. So thank you for asking us. Thank you, Michael. Hey again. So that was my conversation with Michael. Isn't he incredible? When he talked about how there's no accidental children in homosexual relationships. And he said, when we want a child, we have to put everything into achieving that dream to be a parent. I just, that just made me so happy and gave me the full body chills and kind of made me have faith in humanity Um, because he is such a great person and such a good dad, as is Wes. So again, thank you guys for listening. I hope you learned something. I certainly did. 
And if you guys want to know more about their story, go to twodads.u.k. I will put it on my social media as well. Also, this is the cringy part, but if you guys could take two minutes to please go to the podcast page and rate it and write a quick review, it would mean the world to me. And it really gives us a lot more attention and means that more people can hear these stories and more people can feel less alone. So thank you so much. And I will talk to you next time.